Welcome to the Speakernomics Podcast, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, Robert Kennedy III, RK3. That's me. Speakernomics is the show where we flow and go and help you to know how to grow a thriving speaking business. Why? So you can change the world, of course. Now, join me for the journey, will you? What do you get when you cross an alligator, a chicken, and a platypus? I don't know, but I do know that when three guys go into a bar, you just might get three drunk guys. I get it. Okay, maybe you're confused. You're trying to figure out what we're talking about today. Well, LOL, we are talking about comedy, connection, and your speaking business. And we're doing that with our guest today, the comedic connector himself, Pat Dwyer. Pat, how you doing, my friend? Oh, I am so good. How are you? (laughs) Fantastic. Okay, Pat, so what do you get when you cross a chicken, an alligator, and a platypus? Uh, Depending on where you are, it might be dinner. I don't know. What do you think? I'm going to go with anything at Hobby Lobby. That's pretty much as far as I get (laughs) to All right. Well, listen, Pat, we asked you to come to share some fantastic information with us today. Do me a favor. Would you share with us your one top takeaway, your one top tip, your golden nugget that you want everybody to get. Go ahead. The one thing I want everybody to get is that not being fully in control of what's going on on stage, at least from a perception perspective, might be that piece of authenticity that people are looking for to get you hired over and over and over again. Fantastic. Listen, before we go higher with Pat Dwyer, I just want to remind you to hop on over to the Speakernomics voicemail box. Every week we ask a question and we like to play your answers on the show or just hear from you in general. So head on over to Speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. That's Speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. And we'll play your message on the show. So listen out for today's question just a little bit later and then head on over to the link with your computer or your mobile device. Speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail voicemail. Let your voice be heard. All right, let's get into our show today. My guest, Pat Dwyer, is funny, but he's kind. He used to be in the Peace Corps. He's an award-winning speaker and comedian. He's just launched, my goodness, the Speaker Comedy Intensive. We're going to talk about that. And check this out. He roamed the country with Harvey the RV. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Pat, what, who's Harvey the RV? Tell us a little bit about Harvey the RV for a second. Harvey the RV, let's uh, take a step back. I don't know if everyone's heard of COVID yeah. when COVID happened. Uh-huh. Uh, some of us might remember it from uh, the times when our businesses disappeared. Uh, the magic COVID <laughs> time. For, uh, yeah, no, right. Yeah. <laughs> the COVID time for us was, uh, my, well, I'll say this. My son has a congenital heart defect. Mm-hmm. So we were being very, very careful. And we decided let's sell everything we had. Let's buy an RV and let's take off for the year that wasn't happening anyways. Wow. So that's exactly what we did. And Harvey, the RV is, uh, just you know a, a nice bit of rhyming because my children needed something to hold on to i think at that point in time <laughs> and so we traveled uh let's see we saw 30 states in nine months wow we ended up back i'm in wisconsin now uh we will uh we're we're heading somewhere else here soon but for right now we're in wisconsin and it was just a full circle around the country it was awesome absolutely awesome Wow. Wow. That is fantastic. How did your kids love it? What, what was their response to it? Was it are, a lot of, are we there yet? Oh my gosh. Can we go home dad? Or you know, what, what was it like for your kids? All of that is it happened. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it was also, I, well, I, here's the story that we get to tell is that 
when my daughter at the time was going after we got back was going into second grade Mm -hmm. and it was martin luther king day and she came home and she said hey dad do you remember the corner that we were on and i said what does that mean and she said today we were talking about rosa parks and how she got asked to or she was she was told to leave the bus and she didn't leave the bus and i remember we stood on that corner right and it was like hot and we were there and i remember what that looks like and for me that was the prime win of that whole Mm. trip that my children now have tangible visceral experiences with history and the things that they will learn in the coming years of school which is something that i just never had yeah and it it's really really awesome now did they hate sleeping in the same bed together because here's here's a trick friends if you're going to get an rv in the last minute you stick your two small children in the back of the rv where there's no doors so they can't escape in the middle of the night and you and your wife (laughs) suck it up and sleep on the pullout couch for a year i don't recommend it for the sake of people's backs but it's a great way to keep them uh trapped in the back how about that wow wow yeah. <laughs> I, man this is fascinating i'd love for you to tell me stories about every single state but we only have a little bit of time on speakernomics here i want to talk a little bit about comedy yeah. for a moment we don't talk about that a lot on speakernomics as a matter of fact if you are somebody that's a beginning speaker they tell you to go to toastmasters and one of the modules in toastmasters is how to be humorous or add humor into your speaking and that doesn't always go off well for a lot of people (laughs) tell us a little bit about how you inject humor or comedy into your speaking i inject it with real interactions with people Mm -hmm. i work pretty quickly in my brain i mean i I spent so many years doing improv that i react pretty quickly to what people are saying to me and i like to let experiences live in real time for my audience and also for myself mm-hmm. because it's it's just more fun i mean if we're talking about that authenticity piece we were talking about before yeah. or just the idea that these events need to live in real life or it's just tv what's the point you just watch it on tv who cares so having a experience from a comedy experience allowing yourself to uh, interact with the audience, be with the audience. I mean, from a comedy perspective, though, I mean, truthfully, the rule, one of the rules of comedy, there's a number of rules of comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do things three times. You can do callbacks and remember things from before. You can create a space where you set up something and then confuse the audience. Like the, we can talk in a couple minutes about the three things we know about why people laugh. Yeah. But I think that the key to comedy the key to humor is taking whatever emotion is supposed to be there and ratcheting it up by two points that will always be funny wow so give us an example of that because i think sometimes we hear the rules but the application of it is what really makes a difference for us so when you say ratcheting up an emotion by two points give me an example of that if you are excited be more excited yeah (laughs) if you are sad feel it more Mm -hmm. and then switch so people when people are laughing a lot of that is because of surprise right you set up a storyline something seems really normal or how about this we we deal in patterns really well right humans in general Mm -hmm. all we do is patterns it's kind of how we stay alive so if you 
teach somebody the pattern in two separate instances and then change the pattern, that's always going to be funny because people think they knew what was going to happen. Right. And that bit of surprise results in laughter every single time. Yeah. Now, if you do that and add a little bit more emotion to it and add a little bit more playfulness to it, if it is playfulness that is sad energy, playfulness that is rambunctious, one way or another, it will result in something silly and funny and more entertaining. How do you utilize that in, in the corporate space? I think a lot of times as speakers, we, we, we categorize comedy and as this silly thing that doesn't may, that maybe doesn't have any business in a more serious environment. How do you personally utilize comedy or humor in corporate speaking? It is a release point for your audience. Mm -hmm. They need to reset their brains so they can hear the next thing you're saying. I know there are speakers in our industry, many, many, many of them like, oh, but can you make your audience cry? Mm. Like, no, I can make them laugh real hard. And that's the opposite emotion that we're talking about here. So <laughs> you need them to learn. Laughter is a great way to do that. Yeah. If you need them to hear you, changing the patterning of what you're saying with something that would be silly or funny or goofy or even genuinely just outright playful right. will help them do that better. Yeah. So we know 35, I mean, I've seen a stat that said like 60% more retention from somebody laughing for five seconds. Yeah. If you were out there to help people retain information, if we're out there to help people enjoy themselves and get what we want them to get and move on with their lives. Mm -hmm. And you know, those deliverables that those meeting planners are like, you need to do something like you can't just stand there. That's not going to work. Yeah. So if we need them to take those and run with them, the best way to do that is get them to giggle just a little bit. Wow. So that's the way that you talk about it in corporate. Like you want to make this worth your money. Silly's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit ago, you mentioned this phrase. You talked about letting your presentation live yeah. in, in, in real time. Give us a little bit more, a, a cleaner example of that. I want to get a little bit more granular with that so that our audience can really understand this and take it away. Sure. I think the best equation is in talking about the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. So some may know it, some may not. It, it's a theater term. The fourth wall in a play is the imaginary wall that sits between the audience and the performers, mm -hmm. right? Great. So I think for speaking and what we do, if you can make the fourth wall behind your audience mm. and make them a part of what's going on, that will inevitably bring them into what is happening and bring them into the messaging and bring them into everything else. Yeah. So you can do that as simply as motioning to the audience and saying, hey, I really like your shirt, mm. but pick somebody in the back of the house. Right. Because then they know you can see all of them. Again, going back to the metaphor from before, it's no longer TV. It's real theater and it's real time. Yeah. And that will inevitably cause people to lean in because they, this sounds scary, but they are not safe in that way anymore. They don't, there's not a separation mm -hmm. of um, church and state. So <laughs> you just, you, it's, it's in real time from there on out. Yeah. They don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I want to lean into what you just said just now about picking somebody in the back of the house. My interpretation is if I pick somebody in the back of the house, then everybody else has to turn around 
to look to find that person to see the reality or the realness of it is there something else behind that methodology of picking somebody in the back of the house no uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to dwell on it you just yeah. you know if, if you say i can see somebody back there with their hand up right fine nobody's gonna turn around and go oh they do have their hand up like they're not fact checking you like that's not i don't you know, know. I've, I've had audiences that fact checked <laughs> You know, maybe they should, bud. Ooh, yep. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I mean, I, I've been known to give a little bit of false information before. <laughs> wow. So you talk a lot about connection, connection. And, and I think as we walk through this, this lesson on humor, how do I know what will connect with my audience? I mean, there's some audiences that are a little bit more logical and straight laced. And then there's those frivolous, spontaneous, uh, let's have at it audiences. How do I know what will connect with my audience, especially as a speaker who's just coming into an environment that I'm not an expert in? Well, the number one answer is going to be reps. The more you do it, the easier it's going to get. But yeah. for me, in the beginning of any program that I do, mm -hmm. I build in different types of humor up top so that I know what they respond to the best. Mm -hmm. And then as I'm doing the first three minutes of my program, I'm needling a way to figure out what they like best. And then I'm going to do that more. Yeah. But it's not, if you're writing, a, I've never done stand-up, so I don't genuinely know right. the idea of like, I'm going to write a joke and it will land every single time. Like that, I have some of those in my program, right. but of course they never exactly land every single time. That's true about improv too. You just don't know. Yeah. But giving yourself an opportunity to see what they need in that moment then, right now, and that could be... I know if I make a word joke, a pun, if you will, mm -hmm. and they giggle at it, like, cool, okay, so they like that. We know that. That's a great check mark. If I make a joke that is a little bit more uh, uh, ridiculous, a little bit more silly, and they don't respond to it, I'm going to back off on that kind of thing. I'm going to go down the other road a little bit harder than I would on this silliness. Now, can I get them there so that they like the playfulness humor? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But it's not what I'm going to focus on because I need them to it's all about trust. Mm -hmm. It's all about earning their trust so that then you can then use that to your advantage or deeply exploit it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's, that's really what it is. Is like, how fast can we get trust at the beginning of a program? And what can we do to assure that they trust us so that then they're on the journey with us so that we can use it to our advantage and to their advantage? Yeah. So from a humor perspective, as I prepare, are there any questions that I can be asking the meeting planner or event host that really gives me some insights as to what may or may not work with that particular audience? One thing I will always ask every client I ever work for is what are you going through right now? Mm -hmm. What are you up against? What are you dealing with? Because if they've just gone under a huge amount of DEI, yeah. I'm, I'm probably, I mean, that's probably not a great place to make jokes anyways, but I'm not going to uh, go like, well, we just had four CEOs fired. Everybody's freaking out. Right. Cool. I won't be making CEO firing jokes. <laughs> not Again, not that's on the list, yeah. but I'm saying like, if it were, those are things I, I, I can kind of learn the rules of engagement, kind of learn 
what is going to play and what isn't going to play, or most importantly, what comes with a lot of baggage, what comes with a lot of emotion, and what can we do to needle away at that or back off from that so that we don't find ourselves in a place where it's the audience against you. Yeah. So as you've coached or advised other speakers in the area of humor specifically, I know you've come across some people that said, but Pat, I'm not really naturally funny. What do I do? How do you turn somebody who's not naturally funny into somebody who can make an audience smile at least? Structure. It's all structure. Yeah. Everything in comedy and humor and any any elicitation of emotion mm-hmm. comes from those dominoes falling in order. Yeah. And leading your audience in a path. And for those of you know clients that I've had or friends that I've had that is say like, oh, I'm just actively not funny. Like that, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Right. You can find that, you can build that, you can create that. Once you have that trust, you can knock down those dominoes in a way that is compelling, allows the audience to put themselves in your story so that they feel it and create a space where they're more apt to enjoy it and laugh through that. Yeah. So I want to ask a question about improv specifically. I took a couple of improv sessions several years ago and it drastically shifted how I operated with my audience, especially in workshop environments and training environments. I got some activities that really allowed people to smile, have fun and laugh, but then lean into the seriousness of the work that they were doing or the meaningful, I shouldn't say seriousness, but the the, the meaning of the work that they were doing. Tell us a little bit about your improv experience and how that has shaped what you do now. Sure. I So I, I'm taking a minute with this question because yeah. I had performed for uh, 15, almost 20 years yeah. doing improv professionally. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, it becomes a muscle that I don't even, I don't necessarily always know what I'm doing <laughs> anymore. But yeah. That sounds really braggadocious and I don't mean it that way. It's just sometimes I just... yeah connect in a way i'm like okay i guess this is what's happening now and i I, you know it's it's like it's rote habit at this point so i I just don't necessarily know but that having been said i think here's what i think Mm -hmm. is kind of come out we'll see friends let's see what comes out of my brain right now you ready for this here we go let's go so i there's a difference between an exercise and an interaction Mm-hmm. And I think we, we, you know, any kind of workshop experience, any kind of uh, onstage experience, we know that that's true. You can talk at somebody or you can work with them. And I think that the reason why improv is so great is because it makes the audience part of what's happening and makes them a player in the result. Mm-hmm. And I think that the thing that improv does really, really well, and the skills that improv bring to the table really, really well, is making an audience feel as though they are in it with us instead of yeah. us coming at them or, or going at them. Yeah. And it's a really, be- it's a really beautiful place to be when, and it, you know, it goes back to pretty much everything else we've said so far. Yeah. It it lives in the moment. It creates a space where everybody is creating this together and it leaves them with things moving forward where they know that they're part of the solution and they know that they're part of what we're trying to talk about. Yeah. So I think of improv as a, a tool or some, a skill set that really has helped me. Do you have any other 
suggestions for practicing humor? What what else what else can we do to equip ourselves to live in that moment as we've been talking about and really be more connective with our audience from an emotional and a smiling and a joy perspective? Well, you know what? Listening is such a overlooked skill, mm-hmm. especially when it comes from listening to your audience from stage. Yeah, There was an exercise I got at Second City when I first was there. And my teacher said, grab a notebook, write down things that you hear people say that you find entertaining, whatever that means. Because with comedy, not unlike speaking and not unlike music for that matter, everybody has their own voice. Everybody has their own music to it. My comedy is something that like Tim Gard is absolutely hysterical yeah could i get away with tim guard stuff just because we're too you know i hate to say this tim i'm sorry larger white guys like i <laughs> I, doubt it. Like, I don't think that's right yeah but like you know there are people out there who say well i can tell six people's jokes because you know they they come across like me you really genuinely can't yeah so what i would say is grab a notebook when we're in the airports, when we're traveling, when you're sitting with your family, I mean, to this day, I remember on the Chicago trains to the CTA, CTA, baby, Yeah. Uh, on the CTA in Chicago, I remember hearing, this will never leave me, the kid turned to the mom and said whatever he said, and I didn't hear it, but I heard the mom turn to the kid and go, I just think, I just think you have too many lightsabers. And that has stuck with me for years. And that's something I wrote down in this notebook. It's one of the first things that's in this notebook. Right. And even still, just the listening skills, the peripheral listening skills are huge. And when you're on stage and you can hear what's going on and sometimes then subsequently feel what's going on, yeah, you'll be better apt to pivot in real time and in a faster way so that you can allow the audience to come to you faster and in a more appropriate and powerful way. Yeah. And I think another great tool is uh, I'm, I'm in, inflicting myself on this podcast is to listen to a lot of dad jokes. Yeah, so many dad jokes. Any kind of dad joke you can get, I approve of. Oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So we've got to land a plane a bit here, Pat. So where is the best place for people to touch bases with you? I'm I'm bringing that up because I absolutely love your your domain name. Go ahead and tell us what that is. Let's talk about that domain name. So my domain yeah. name is patdwyerwastaken.com because <laughs> patdwyer.com was taken. And I figured, you know, let's just buy the next best thing. It, ironically, though, I now own patdwyer.com, but I will never, I'm never going to use it. It just links to patdwyerwastaken.com because I think it's hysterical. Oh, my gosh. So everybody, listen, we end our episodes with a question from our guest. All right. So, Pat, what's your question for our audience? I should ask something very prolific. I should ask something that really gets people to think. Here's I want to know what everybody's best dad joke is. That's what I want to know. Hey, gang, put that in the voicemail. How about that? I love it. Listen, everybody, I want to hear your answers to the questions. So make sure that you go to our voice mailbox, speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail, speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. As a matter of fact, let's hear a message or two from our voice mailbox. Hi, this is Mark Pittman answering the question, have I ever transcribed a talk? The answer is yes. And it was transformative. 
I worked on this new talk. I was excited about the impact it was going to have on the audience. I was excited about the content, the way it was being delivered. I practiced it for weeks. I blocked myself so I knew where on the stage I would be at different parts in the talk. And I delivered the talk with such high energy that I felt I stuck the landing and the response from the audience was great. Then I went for a transcription and found out I had basically had a 60-minute run-on sentence. Very few pauses, very hard to find any punctuation. And that one experience has helped me to remember when I'm talking to stop, to breathe, to do the things that I would coach others to do. So reading the transcript of a talk was uh, transformational, and I'm really glad that Patricia Fripp asked us if we've done that. Fantastic. Fantastic. Pat, it's been fantastic hanging out with you for the last, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. This has been fantastic. Good to be here, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, you know, it's just been really cool to hang out. Fantastic. Listen, everybody, this has been a masterclass. Your audience matters. Make sure that you connect with them in a way that is truly meaningful and you got a winner. You might not feel like you're a comedian or that you're funny, but you can be fun and you can connect. Figure out how to bring joy as well as learning to the world of your audience. The world needs you. Somebody's out there waiting for you to help them solve a problem. You know, the one that you saw with your message and your voice. This has been another fantastic episode of Speakernomics, the podcast where you learn more about how to speak, get paid, repeat. See you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.